I, I do talk at the moment about 10 ways you can be sustainable and mindful. And one of the points is about being brave and being kind. It applies to so much, you know, take the step, be brave and, and put stuff out there if, if you want to. And also as the flip side of that, be kind when you see other people doing it. Welcome back to the Sustainable Jungle podcast. I'm Joy, and in this episode, Lyle and I are learning from Georgina Wilson-Powell, the founder and editor of Pebble Magazine, a sustainable lifestyle magazine covering ethical fashion, design, food, and travel. Listening back to this episode, we spend a lot of time laughing, which reflects how much fun this conversation was. We chat about how Pebble Mag came to be, how consumerism is changing, and the role of media in driving change. Oh, and we talk about innovation in fashion, with hemp and stinging nettles making notable mentions. Now, before we get stuck in, we wanted to also do a shout out for those listening from London or planning to be in London in late November. Do check out our show notes for the link to Pebble's upcoming Conscious Christmas and Sustainable Living event called Pebble Festive, which will be at Flat Iron Square on 30 November. Sounds like it's going to be a real cracker. We wish we could be there. As always, you could find the show notes for this episode, including all the relevant links over at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. Now, without further ado, please enjoy this discussion with the lovely Georgina. Georgina, welcome to Sustainable Jungle. We are so excited to have you join us here. Let's kick off with learning a little bit more about you. Can you tell us where you were born and where did you grow up? Sure. So um, I was born in Suffolk in England. I was born and raised in the countryside and by the seaside. And then I've lived in big cities for the last 20 years. So I lived in Birmingham and then um, I was out in the Middle East working in Dubai for six years. I've lived in London for five years and then um, I actually just moved back to the seaside um, to not quite the coast where I grew up on, but similar earlier this year. And it's been a revelation actually moving away from the city um, and being able to see the sea every day. I can imagine. So you've clearly had a very long and varied career and this is all or most of it in the media industry. Can you tell us how you got started and a little bit more about your career to date? So I've been in magazines and media publishing for 17 years. So I started my own magazine when I was 21, and that's how I got into it. I sort of forced my way in and used to work on a, a music paper, and myself and the editor thought we could do it better. So we launched our own sort of music and street art magazine, which, yeah, so I got a bank loan on my 21st birthday. Um, and went from there, we ended up having 10 staff, two offices. Um, we were working and living in Shoreditch um, in London when that was sort of cool the first time around. Um, with a lot of the big street artists that have now gone on to do sort of great things. And then from there, I ended up uh, working in a lot of, sort of food and travel magazines. Um, I launched Lonely Planet Traveller magazine out into the Middle East and worked on BBC Good Food over there and Time Out. And then I came back to London in 2014 and worked freelance for, for a long time. And it was really the sort of freelance travel, um, which I was very lucky to do and sort of you know, one half fly all over the world and stay in all these glamorous locations and, and get to report back. It really brought home to me, A, the carbon impact of everything that I was doing. And I, I couldn't really square that off any longer. And also just seeing the impact of the plastic waste everywhere. You go to these tropical beaches and, you know, it's just full of, of, of water bottles and straws and everything. But on the flip side, sort of actually seeing how many people all over the world were putting their heart and soul into like conservation efforts and starting charities and innovating and finding new solutions. And it was really those kind of stories I felt really inspired by. And when I was trying to sort of pitch stories back into the press in, in the UK, 
I was being told consistently, like, no one cares. Um, it's not interesting. It's not new. It's not going to sell papers. And I just thought, but we're missing a trick and we're missing this. You know, to me, there's a, there's a huge power in storytelling. It's how we share and communicate and inspire each other. And if we're not talking about the stories, about the, the positivity and the solutions that, that people are coming up with, how can we how can we as a, as a society move forward and how can we grow and evolve and, and find some of our biggest you know try and tackle our biggest problems so for me the my career's kind of like um gone very much one way and then completely the other way if wow. you like and, and so that was very much the the seed for pebble mag is that right yeah so there was there was a few different seeds as, as as you put it um that was definitely one of them i wanted to to work myself again um you know i think anyone that's been freelance has that has experienced you know you're very much at the whim of other other people and and sort of what work comes along and i wanted to have more stability and so be more in charge of of my own future and i wanted to do something that give back that gave back i wanted to do something that you know i felt that i was excited to go to work in the morning and i could see the power of of you know, bringing all these stories together and providing a platform that people could find inspiration from and find information to change their lives, then, you know, you want to feel like your work has meaning. And I think just writing about like five-star hotels, my work definitely <laughs> did not have meaning. Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm quite happy to sort of admit, you know, I, I flew all over the world um, for a long time in my early 30s. And, and it really was that that's, that made me kind of go, okay, we can't all live like this. This is crazy. And, and we sort of need to look at how we can do things differently. Let's talk a bit more about Pebble Mag. Can you give us an overview of what it is? Sure. So um, Pebble is basically your stylish guide to sustainable living. Um, we are a free digital magazine that is accessible and we have followers from all over the world. We have social channels, sort of all the social channels you'd expect, where we talk about sort of our daily challenges and we have our everyday activism theme as well on there. So trying to sort of highlight the small, simple changes that people can do every day to, to be more sustainable. We cover everything from some ethical fashion brands right through to eco travel and slow travel. We're getting involved in more activism. And this year we actually launched a whole event series. So we're just gearing up for our fourth event in London this year for a thousand people, um, which will be a big conscious Christmas market and then talks and workshops. So yeah, we've kind of now got the, the publishing and the content and then these really cool networking and kind of market style events where Quite often people can come and talk to the owners of brands they've seen online or they can hear talks and be inspired that way. And it's a really nice counterbalance to, to sort of be a bit more, you know, be more in the real world, I guess, um, other than just, you know, looking at your screens all the time. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, totally. I, I totally missed that there was Pebble events. That's so exciting. So you've already done a couple of these. Yeah, so I mean, we've only done London so far. Um, so we did a huge one in April for 800 people. Um, and then that was so popular, we've done a couple for other clients. So we've come in and curated like sustainable living markets for big public spaces in central London. And then we've been asked to do this big Christmas market, which is now sort of underway. Um, and we're going to have things like a secondhand Christmas jumper rail and vegan hot chocolate and um sustainable Christmas cocktails. Um, so it's going to be really, really fun. What sort of workshops can you do? Um, so you can learn how to wrap up a Christmas present using fabric wrap. I don't know if that's a big thing where you guys are, but everyone's looking at like their, how much gift wrap they use at the moment and the paper. And you have these amazing, I think it's called Furoshuki. It's like a Japanese art of using fabric to wrap your presents. 
So we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing um, how to make different spice uh, mixes for sort of plant-based food. We are doing upcycling and repairing clothes. And we've got one more to be confirmed. How cool. What date exactly is this event? So that's the 30th of November. So Saturday, the 30th of November. Ah, Um, And if you go onto the site, you can find all the information on that. Oh, amazing. We'll publish, we'll make sure we publish this before that so we can uh, try get some more people over there. That's, uh, yeah, it sounds like you've already got quite a few going though. Yeah, I I wish we were still living in London because we would have definitely have gone. Yeah, we would have loved that. Yeah, it's, 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 well, we've got big plans for more events in other other places next year. Yeah, how about Melbourne? Melbourne. Yeah, (laughs) I would, I would love to do one in Melbourne. (laughs) We'll help you if you do. Yeah, let us know. Okay, okay, you can bring the sunshine because that's what we're missing. Yeah. Oh, well, oh. we're just looking out the window right now. Oh. <laughs> okay, we'll try. We'll try this. <laughs> we can do that. Okay. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I noticed when I was looking around on the website um, and doing a bit of a refresh since the last time I looked around was this uh, this community, the Pebble Mag, uh, the Pebble Pod, which is on the on Facebook groups. It looks like a super vibrant community. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Out of the, sort of the magazine side of things, we've met, noticed in the last few years that we've we've built up all these sort of organic communities um, around us. So we have all these people who want to talk about the issues that Pebble raises and to kind of share advice or ask tips on everything from like what house plant should I buy to you know what to do with my recycling. Um, and we really wanted to give people a forum where they could help each other. So it's not just us trying to answer questions um, because there's so much knowledge that we don't have and, and, uh, and other people have far more knowledge about, about most things than, than I am. So we sort of created the Facebook group uh, for that and it's become really useful actually. So that kind of operates almost independently. I mean, we check in and we post stuff in there and, you know, we obviously make sure that it's all moderated and stuff, but it's really for people that are interested in all the issues that that Pebble brings up. So whether it's food waste or, you know, stopping away from plastic or being inspired by some, someone like Greta Thunberg or, you know, anything that's going on in the sort of current climate, then they can go in there and have discussions about it and, and kind of talk to other people and get tips and advice and things. So, yeah, that's been that's been really a nice sort of, um, you know, very natural extension of what we're doing. Yeah, sounds really handy. One thing I forgot to ask was the um, was the name Pebble. I know that there's a really good story behind that, so I was hoping you could share it again for everybody. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I don't know, you know how good it is. It, it took me <laughs> ages to come up with, like, the name. Um, it was the hardest thing. I was lying on my sofa just sending, like, lists of adjectives to all of my friends. <laughs> like, any of these, any of these work? Um, you know, one would come back and then you look on social and media and you're like, oh, no, all those tags have gone. Or um, it, it's, it's really difficult. And then I was, I was thinking about sort of, you know, this, this obviously – you know, we've had it for a long time, but, you know, this idea of, you know, you, ma- you make a change somewhere and it, it has a ripple effect and, and we're all kind of connected. And just the word pebble just seemed really lovely in my mind. And when you say it, it's got a really, you know, people love saying the word for some reason. <laughs> it's true. Um, and then it, it became this kind of like idea that all of our stories are pebbles. So when you throw them out into the sea, when you throw them out online, you know, you create these ripples, you create this ripple effect. And then, so the more pebbles you have, you can actually shift landscapes and they, they do move, you know, so this idea that um, along with sort of positive storytelling, we're helping to shift the landscape, we're helping to shift the conversation about overconsumption, about modern life, about how, you know, how we interact with the modern world and, and the natural world. So it's kind of built up from there. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's it. And I think when, when we kind of 
not only just got the word, but then sort of found a meaning that came quite naturally with it. It just it just cemented itself in my head. It was like, right, that's it. We, I know what it is now. So yeah, it was it was quite torturous to be honest. <laughs> and then when we got there, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And I saw the the hashtag that you use is uh, pebbles make ripples, which I think is really yeah. cool. I love the very metaphor. Clever. I think yeah. it's yeah. very clever. Thank you. Now, the the one thing that I read on the Pebble Mag about us page that really stood out to me was that there is this this hope that ultimately we won't need to talk about eco this and ethical that because it's just simply the way that we do things. Uh, and I've also heard you mention that you design Pebble Mag to look and feel like a typical consumer mag, um, but it's that sort of ethical guide to stylish ethical guide. So I was I wanted to ask is the the intent with Pebble to normalize or popularize the the ethical this and the eco that? Definitely, um, definitely, definitely. I think. You know, when I was looking around, for, when I started getting really interested for the first time in a lot of this stuff was sort of five or six years ago, and I was looking on the internet, you've either got like really dry reports or you've got like a badly designed blog from like 10 years ago and it's all a bit clunky and all a bit unprofessional, you know, and this is obviously a bit before the sort of whole influencer sort of trend as well. But I was just thinking, you know, that I've always worked with really beautiful looking magazines and there's, there's power in that, there's power in that desirability because how are you going to get people to change if you're not sort of flagging up how good the change is going to be? You know, no one wants to change to go to something worse. Um, and we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to say to people, you know, there's no sacrifice in swapping away from plastic. There's no sacrifice by buying less and buying better. It, it's just a different way of thinking. It's it's longer lasting or it's better for, better for another reason. And really sort of, um, conveying how stylish and beautiful a lot of these alternatives are because I mean less so perhaps today but a few years ago it you know if you said eco or ethical you know product to someone they'd be like oh it's probably made of hemp and it's probably ugly and, you, know, <laughs> it's, yep. you know it's it, you had this kind of a thing in your mind and I think especially with like ethical fashion which has come on leaps and bounds in the last few years mm. You know, if you said, oh, I'm wearing, you know, an ethical dress, probably people probably imagine it's tie-dye and you're sitting at a <laughs> festival. And, you know, and I really wanted to combat that and, and yeah, normalise it for the sake of saying, actually, no, it's really desirable. It's really stylish. And it's, you know, you're not giving up anything by, by doing something that's better for the planet because that's ultimately how we're going to get people to change. We've got to make them, you know, think the, the product's the most amazing product they've ever had. And then it's, oh, and actually it's good for the planet too. And I also sort of want, as, as a sort of flip side to that, being a sustainable business ourselves, we want to support people that are making that change. And we want to support the businesses that are doing good. So the other side of Pebble is actually showcasing and working with the businesses that are trying and are making a change and are really having an impact. I'm really kind of seeing, you know, championing them because often just as I wouldn't get a, a piece into a major newspaper about some eco hotel in Bali, they wouldn't be able to get them into a magazine to shout about their beeswax wraps or something, you know, two <laughs> years ago. Yeah. So it was the sort of this flip side of also presenting the alternatives and, and supporting the business network that we're in. I think that makes so much sense. And actually, um, I think that it invites, it invites the masses to be part of this. I, I feel like it was almost previously like an exclusive club to you know even if it was maybe not as attractive it was still exclusive even if you were curious about being more sustainable or more eco or more ethical you Absolutely. would maybe not feel as comfortable joining the you know tie-dye wearing folk. Absolutely and like we are that's another reason why we're not 
completely over stylized and we're not very minimal and, you know there's a, there's beautiful titles out there that do that but you look at it and go okay I don't think I can achieve that at home you know my, my home is never going to be some kind of scandy minimalist heaven but so we wanted to be very accessible you know there's a lot of color in pebble there's a lot of um different types of photography there's different tones of voice we wanted it to be as approachable as possible so that you know you're a mix of sort of going okay well I, I can afford that and I can do that or I'm going to be you know inspired to save for, for this or for that um to kind of really make sure that people take something away from it and then go and try it at home or take that advice and run with it you know the, the biggest success for me is, is seeing other people take information from Pebble and act on it or launch businesses because they've read about something on Pebble or you know to me that's that's the exact thing that we want people to go and do. And also, I mean, I think that there there are these amazing brands and businesses and individuals out there that are making change and to have a platform that invites so many more people to see and know about them, uh, I think is is exactly where we need to be going with this. I was actually thinking this morning, I was we- I'm wearing a long sleeve, like really nice, I think it's very stylish, uh, hemp top. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> thinking like how far hemp has come, you know, like it's, yeah, it's actually really I've cool got some hemp yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Too cool. And they are actually quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, they are really nice. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I don't sound very nice, but they are. Um, yeah, I think that, so, I mean, one thing I've been blown away by in the last few years is just the amount of new businesses opening up and um, especially sort of fashion brands and like the shoe brands like um, Allbirds and Vega and, and people and who are, who are really championing new materials and, and sort of different ways of, of making products. And they're doing it at a mainstream mass market level. And I think, you know, the more we have of those, the, the better off we're all going to be because we need, we need scale. It's, it's, you know, we can't change the world from like one handcrafted spoon at a time. Yeah. <laughs> we need, we need everybody at every level doing, doing all sorts of different things in, in a sort of big glorious mess almost. Totally. One thing though that I wanted to get your pick your brain about is is something because we've we've taken a very similar approach. Like we've uh, our our blog started off because I couldn't find palm oil free moisturizer and it was just really frustrating. And I wanted to try and find brands that were doing better and to tell other people about it. And um, and what's what it's come to be is us recommending better products and brands that we find along the way. And uh, sometimes I feel uh, you know like that there's a bit of a struggle there because we're, we're actually at the end of the day recommending consumption you know more and more consumption which can be a very bad thing if done wrong so I was curious to get your thoughts on recommending consumption consumerism um, having now run a consumer magazine that's centered around sustainability has your approach to consumption and consumerism changed over the years definitely and it is a really big issue and it's something we talk about a lot as a team um, in our office the, when we sort of come back to like what what's pebbles main mission it is to reduce overconsumption, and i think that is different that's this kind of just mindless you know, buying 10 t-shirts for $2 because they, you want one in every color. You know, it's, it's the sort of just buying plastic to throw it away, you know, replacing your homewares every year because you've bought really cheap ones. It's, it's not being conscious about what you're buying. Whereas I think the people we take great pains to recommend and sort of have done a lot of research on and the companies that we work with commercially, we expect them to uphold the kind of same ethos. So they are, you know, making 
stuff that's either long lasting or biodegradable or it's been consciously made or it contributes in some way to a social enterprise or it's fair trade or organic because we need good business because unfortunately whether we like it or not we live in a capitalist society and we're not going to be able to change that in the very near future so we need to work within it and I think the more other businesses see that good businesses or ethical businesses are doing well and they are they're they're, they're growing bigger than the non-ones at the moment that that encourages everybody to change um, and I think that's that's probably ultimately going to inflict quicker and bigger change than individually us not buying anything. So I think it's it's we're very conscious of the power that we have to recommend things, and we don't want to abuse that power at all. We want to help people find brands that that help them in their life and do better for the planet. And you know, there's some industries that we just don't work with at all and wouldn't work with. So we wouldn't work with an airline, for example. We don't work with anyone on the high street in terms of fast fashion. Um, we don't work with any skincares that's owned by any parent companies that, that do, um, you know, cruelty, you know, animal testing animal for testing, something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's, we go really into like who we would work with quite in quite detail. But I think from myself and like my own views on it, and it's definitely changed. You know, I don't buy fast fashion anymore. I buy very little. Um, I mean, that's partly just running a business. There's not the money to buy <laughs> loads of stuff anymore. But I, it's amazing what you don't need when you strip it all out. I mean, I don't do online shopping at all. Um, I buy, sort of try to buy as many homewares if I need them secondhand. And I think a lot of people doing, if not all of that, then some of that, there seems to be a big social change in everybody kind of looking at what they've got and kind of like, okay, what if I have to replace something, how do I do that more ethically or more? you know more mindfully so I think there is a big shift happening yeah I yeah I think we've we've very much landed in the same place and it's exciting to think that we can continue to fuel new industries and maybe fuels the wrong word there <laughs> we can create new <laughs> industries um you know with this this very conscious mindset where there is a good end of life story to every product and um as well as a as well as a during the value chain story uh, where you know people get paid what they should get paid and you know materials are are taken from places that don't have child labor and not tested on exactly. animals I mean, so just on. the basics yeah exactly just the basics. Um, and I think it's also you, you touched on a point there about sort of um, design and and you know I I'm a design I like I'm very interested in like the manufacturing the process and you know how things are made and and where they're made and what new materials and I think that's really exciting you know there's been so many amazing sort of boundary leaping inventions in the last few years with materials and our audience want to know they want to know you know if you're if you're talking about end of life design what does that mean you know the fact that people are creating products that can be broken down and used into other things in a few years time is something we haven't done before and I think there's a curiosity there to, to find out um, because it raises the game it, they then go back to you know some perhaps a, an alternative product that they've used their whole life and they're well hang on mine doesn't do this mine goes straight in the bin and then it stays there so I think the more we talk about how things are made and, and champion the people that do things differently the more our expectations sort of up across the board rise um, and I think that's that's something that's, that's really good to champion. Georgina do you think there's a difference in awareness between the male consumer base and the female consumer base? Um, I think it's a really, really good question. Um, and it's one I'm probably not the best person to ask because um, um, I see a lot of women in this in, in the conversation. And actually, I think that's, you know, one way that's really, really refreshing. Um, I would say most of the people I, I, I work with in other businesses and in our network are women. And I think that's, that's you know, really encouraging. 
But I think we do need more men in the debate. We need more men talking about ethical fashion and flagging up what what they're doing um, in their lives to make changes. Because when you look on social media, and when you sort of see influences in this in the sphere and see people talking about it, it's it's actually nearly all women, um, which is probably the only time I would say we need more men in the debate. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of complete reversal. Um, and we really tried when we had our big event back in April to make sure that all of our panels were kind of diverse. Um, you know, there was a mix of men and women because so often you go to talks and you, you go to panel discussions and it's all women, which, you know, we should be championing it in one way. Um, but I think we do need everybody. And I think we need, we definitely need more men talking about uh, consumption or, or overconsumption or, or how they're making changes and, and their sort of role in, in fashion as well. Mm, absolutely. I and I totally echo your your thoughts on that. I have definitely seen far more females in the space than males. And I mean, males are half the consumer base. So it is, I think, very important to, to involve them and to get them to spearhead these issues as well, because it's going to take as many people as possible. Anyway, it's it's something that Feeling I... Feeling a bit lonely there, Lau. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, t- I, I know, like... Yeah, yeah, you can make a lot of comments about about feminism and role reversals here, but I'm not going to. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not go that's there. Another, that's another topic. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think, yeah, we we need everybody. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter, you know, your your faith, your religion, your you know your preferences, whatever. It, we just need people to show up. Absolutely. And maybe just one final question before we we chat more broadly about your your thoughts on where the world is at the moment, Georgina. But um. I was curious to understand the overall mission at Pebble Mag. Say if we fast forwarded five or 10 years down the track, what would you be really happy to have achieved at Pebble Mag? I would have a team in place and I would have gone on holiday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally fair. Um, But but seriously, um, when I mentioned earlier, um, you know, one of our key missions is is to kind of reduce overconsumption and really inspire a social change, a a society-wide change in in how much people just consume on a daily basis. We play that role very well, I think, talking to consumers. And we could dive off into lots of different things, um, but I think focusing on how we inspire um, the everyday person, the person that's probably not got enough time and is really stressed and maybe got a family, you know, how we, how we sort of help them. That's our key mission. Um, because lots of people are doing like high level reporting and lots of people are doing sort of on the streets activism. And I think for us, it's, it's really kind of sticking to that lifestyle element and making sure that people know there are beautiful options out there and, you know, there's no sacrifice involved and really uh, growing that network of people that can help other people. You know, that's, that's our sort of um, how we see success. And it's actually quite difficult when you're a magazine. I'm sure you guys um, have a similar thing when, when you're a blog. You can see how many people read it and you can see how many people share it, but you don't often know what they then go on to do. Mm. Um, but we're lucky in that we have a lot of people that email us or, or DM us on Instagram or, or get, get in touch and tell us what they've been doing. They tell us they've swapped from one brand to another, or they tell us that they've changed this thing in their life because they've read something on Pebble. So for, for me, just keeping growing that would be would be amazing. So Georgina, you, you clearly have your finger on the pulse in two very influential spaces, both in media, 17 years in that industry, but also the consumer space. Keen to get your thoughts on both, but let's just start with journalism and the media. And we've also alluded to the fact that the media gets a, it gets a bad rap on a lot of things. But what do you think the role of media is in bringing 
about change going forward? Um, I think it can, it can play a very powerful, it's a very powerful weapon, whatever you're using it for, you know, the, the role of the media. And, and ultimately, magazines started to kind of, they were the original ways of amplifying a voice. They were ampl- amplification tools to get conversations started, to get debates heard, to, to inspire and inform of events and, and things happening and, and just general news. You know, that was their role. And I think we, we want to go, but I want to go back to that role. So it's not just about selling crap um, to people and it's not about making them feel bad about themselves or making them feel bad about the way they live. It's actually about inspiring and sharing um, and, and you know, reinforcing that positive change. So for me, the media has a really, really important role. And I think it's unfortunate that over the last you know few decades, it's kind of been used the other way around to kind of like create fear and division and um you know, self-doubt and anxiety. And that's that's the sort of darker side of it. And I think, you know, for us, we're all about positive storytelling. Um, and I think the more magazines and titles that we have doing that, the more that we can show there's a better way. Um, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but at the moment in the UK, a lot of mainstream magazines are shutting. People are moving away from, from the sort of women's magazine style format. Um, you know, newspapers are declining. Um, and we're actually going the opposite. You know, we grew 350% last year. Wow. Um, awesome. <laughs> it's it's booming. Um, so I think that's a really strong signal that people uh, want change. They want change in their media just as much as they want change uh, in, in society and in their climate. I'm interested to know if you think there's been an evolution in this industry that encourages you are there more publications out there? Or is the conversation bigger than it was before? What are your thoughts? Definitely. Absolutely, definitely. Like three years ago, Pebble launched in the end of November 2016. So we're coming up to just about three years. Three years ago, you could not get the word sustainable into L or um, on the front page of a newspaper. <laughs> Um, or in vogue or you know it would not have been possible you know there are columns dedicated to such things and you know there are big newspapers committed to you know changing their coverage of 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 climate change and even sort of saying you know even the language we're going to use is going to be different um so i think there's been a real sea shift or sea change in 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 some people's reporting and some people's coverage I think what we just have to be careful of is obviously a lot of the bigger titles and the more established brands that have been around for a long, long time, you know, they're committed. They have advertising uh, commitments. They have shareholders. They have, you know, they have other motives sometimes than Mm. just shouting about the positive stuff. Um, And I think what we've been really careful about and what, what our readers love about us is we are the very, authentic you know we we work commercially with the same brands that we chat about editorially and we, we turn down money on we turn down clients when they don't fit into 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 pebble um and i think that gets very difficult when you are a massive national newspaper you can't afford to do that so i do think you know yes it's brilliant that people are talking about it more and you're seeing it more as a, as a more as you were saying a more normalized um sort of industry and and sustainable options are really really coming to the fore but I think, you know, we there's so much more work to do. I absolutely agree. And I think it's really exciting to know that uh, this is trending and, and it doesn't look like it's going to go away. And I, don't, and I mean, hopefully it never goes away because obviously the state of things and the way things are going, uh, we need the conversation to, to accelerate and to increase as much as possible. And as you said before, to normalize the conversation. 
the more you learn about these different issues, you realise how how much they're interconnected and how how many battles we need to fight almost on one, you know, how many fronts we need to fight at, at the same time um, to really make a, a positive change. And I think, you know, it's not a case of just kind of going, okay, we've banned plastic straws, the job's done. Um, I think sadly, the more you learn and, and read about you know, every different industry and, and what we can do and how much it's been going wrong in the last of 100, 200 years, it inspires you to do more and, and get more involved. So I, I so hopefully that you'll see and we've definitely seen like an evolution of the conversation um, a maturing of the conversation as well. So hopefully that will continue. And from a consumer standpoint, through your research and your writing, what keeps you up at night? And also on the flip side, what gives you hope? Oh, God. <laughs> so much. It's a doozy. Sorry. Um, uh, I'll try to not be uh, too, too lengthy. Um, I think that there's two things I think that keep me up at night. And one is the same, you know, at the end of the day, Pebble's a business. Uh, it's a small business. It's a growing business. But I have every same concern as every other entrepreneur um, and every other business owner you know, you, you worry about your stuff, you worry about like the revenue, you worry about you're doing everything wrong, you know, all of those concerns um, I have <laughs> um, and they keep me up at night. But then I think just, I don't know, I mean, I've, I don't know if you've uh, come across a book that got released a few months ago called The Uninhabitable Earth, which is a really no punches pull kind of state of where we are. Wow. And quite honestly, that's been giving me nightmares. So that, um, <laughs> and I think just, yeah, just, I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Cause uh, yeah, go, if you read a few pages of that, you'll, you'll definitely understand. But I think on the flip side, just, just the amount of people that now want to get involved is, is brilliant. It's so inspiring. I mean, you look at the turnouts for the Greta Thunberg, um, you know, climate strikes, the Fridays for Future, the amount of young people getting involved in activism, the sort of the Extinction Rebellion protests that have just swept across the world. I mean, that is, if that's not cause for hope, then what is? Um, you know, that I think we can all, you know, be inspired by. And these aren't, you know, these aren't traditional protesters. These are, you know, retirees and school kids and doctors and solicitors. Um, so I think it's, you know, that, that power in numbers is, is really, really, really inspiring. I really think it's exciting and it's it's and you need to look at the positives I feel because it is so easy to become overwhelmed with as you said from the straws uh, to to fast fashion etc and and to be overwhelmed by the the amount of problems and issues that we face but looking at the positives there there is certainly hope on the horizon Definitely. And I think I was talking to someone, um, a, a guy, a British guy called Rob Hopkins, who launched the Transition Town Movement about 20 years ago, which was this idea of like uh, towns becoming zero carbon or low carbon and themselves about waiting for sort of governments to, to do it for them. And he's just written an amazing book all about how we need to sort of um, harness our power of imagination, because that imagination, we can't imagine a better future. And without being able to do that, we won't find the solutions. It's, it's a really positive, really, really empowering book. And he was sort of saying, you know, we've he's been in the, the the fight for the environment, if you like, for like 30 years. And he's like, we're not alone anymore. We're not like a lone voice just sort of battling against like corporate culture and, and mass consumerism. He's like, this is a change. You know, more and more people, more people are showing up. Um, and that is is different. That's that's different from what's happened in the in the sort of the 70s and the 80s. And and yeah, that's it, it does feel like we're we could get to a tipping point where massive change is possible. Yeah, it certainly feels like we're hitting critical mass. 
And yes, that's it. Critical mass. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing. And this, in this occasion, it's a good thing. Yes. It is. It is. And lastly, Georgina, what innovations have you seen recently in the space that you're most excited about? You, you touched on uh, the innovations in materials and things like that. So uh, Anything in particular? Not, to, not to guide you too much, but that sounded like a, <laughs> like a place I wanted to drill down on. It sounds very cool. I think there's two, there's two things actually at the moment I couldn't think of off the top of my head. So yeah, I mean, materials generally for, uh, for fashion. So there was a fashion show as part of London Fashion Week a few weeks ago here um, with a label called Vid and Ollie who make all their clothes out of nettles. Ooh. And they're actually sort of really um, championing you know, the humble stinging metal as actually a really strong fiber um, oh. that makes incredibly soft clothes. So I think that's that's really, really interesting. And it's obviously a plant that grows everywhere and grows without, you know, you don't need to do anything for it and it'll grow. So it doesn't need like lots of water or pesticides and things. So I think that could be really, really exciting in years to come. And then actually it's it's a really local um, brand to me. I, I, I've moved to this place called Margate in, in Kent, which is on the coast. And we have a skincare brand there that makes all their skincare out of seaweed. And the, the seaweeds are literally harvested from in front of the shop. Um, it's incredibly local and, and sort of low impact. But they've just made all their packaging out of mycelium, oh. which is a sort of mushroom derivative. Um, and it's really flexible and strong and basically you, you can kind of mold it into anything and then it breaks down into the soil so they infuse it with like uh, seeds um and then once you bury your packaging it grows seeds it grows flowers which that i just think is the coolest thing so that cool. is so cool <laughs> why yeah. did we do the sustainability um, thing like you know 40 years ago feels like we've been missing I know, out. imagine how many flowers we'd have <laughs> yeah. um but they're called they're called heckles if you want to check them out because i just think they're brilliant heckles. Um, we'll put that and in the I show think notes it's that, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and I'll, I'll give you the, sort of the details of the Rob Hopkins book as well, because that's actually a really good counterpoint to a lot of the doom and gloom. It's, it's really inspiring. But also, I think, you know, these brands that are independent and just forging their own paths are, are incredible because they're investing so much in new materials and, and trying to find a better way, you know, at a, at a huge cost um, to, to, to themselves, you know, quite often. So I think, you know, that, that gives me a lot of hope. Absolutely. And presumably they've managed to take the stinging out of the nettles. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's no sting left in the nettles. So yeah, that would make it. Yeah, that, that's that's your sacrifice back there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been wave one sustainability. Luckily, we're at wave 10. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We're way beyond that. Yeah, it, they look really cool. The clothes are really cool. Oh, that's really awesome. I'm, I'm excited to check that out now. On that point about the groundswell, it's been obviously an exciting time for the sustainability movement more generally, um, but also at, at Pebble Mag um, and for you, presumably as well, Georgina, what do you and Pebble Mag have planned for the coming year? Anything exciting on the horizon aside from more events, of course? <laughs> um, lots of things. Um, yeah, so we've... We've grown this year from like one and a half uh, of us <laughs> to like five. Um, wow, so that's cool. been really, really, really helpful, really, really inspiring in, in itself. So we are actually having a massive planning week this week um, for all of our sort of, we want to launch some different campaigns next year. Um, so they'll be running across social media and, and the sites of highlighting some different areas where people can get involved. Um and sort of actually harnessing the power of our own network. So trying to get more readers involved in recommending things. Um, I can't say too much more, but it will become clear in kind of January time. Um, and then we're, we're hopefully going to be doing a whole series of regional events over the summer. So taking this, this format that, that works really well of the kind of the ethical marketplace and the workshops and the talks and actually taking it around some regional cities in the, in the UK because 
um, things can get very, I don't know what it's like in, in Australia and, and sort of, is there a difference between Sydney and the rest of the country, but things can get very London, yes. Londonified in, in the UK. So um, I'm keen to kind of make sure that Pebble isn't just talking about London and, you know, we don't just have a London audience. So we're going to be doing an advertising campaign in the, in the, in the new year, which is the first time we've ever done that. And then backed by these regional events later in the year. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of expansion plans in the works and we're going to be having a bit of a relaunch design-wise sort of in the new year as well. So we've Very kind of, exciting. you know, we've become this authoritative platform and now we want to sort of take it to the next level. Oh, That's very so cool. cool. And we look forward to the Melbourne event, of course. Hint, Obviously, hint, yeah. Obviously. I might have to, um, <laughs> have to like do a Greta and get a sailboat or something. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. I set off now, yeah, I might be there in like 2021 20, or something. 2021, yeah. yeah. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get really seasick, so maybe not. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that you are a role model to many journalists and content providers around the world like you are to us. Um, what advice would you have for anyone out there wanting to get out there and make positive change using media as a platform? Oh, gosh, I think it's so much easier now. Um, I mean, you don't need anything. You just need your phone. That definitely wasn't the case 20 years ago. I think, you know, just do it is, is, is really all the all the advice I would give you because I quite want to see um, some people I meet who are like 16 and 17 are just so tech and produce such amazing content and videos and images so I don't, I'm not sure I'm the, in the total expert but I just think you know, there's you can always kind of divulge that responsibility to someone else you can always say oh, I'll do it tomorrow and I think the one thing I have learned um, doing this is is you just got to get on and do it today. You're so right and I've seen some of those videos that the the, the school kids have made after the, the school strikes and they just do it and they just put it out there on different platforms and yeah. it's so good and it's so powerful then they're really not afraid and I think that kind of comes back to I mean just to I, I do a talk at the moment about 10 ways you can be sustainable and mindful and I've been giving quite a lot of talks over the last couple of years and one of the points is about being brave and being kind and I think that's just like it applies to so much you know take the step be brave and, and put stuff out there if, if you want to and also you know as the flip side of that, be kind when you see other people doing it. Um, I think there's a real, we're really quick to kind of knock people down or, or um, you know, be even worse on social media. So I think it's it's be brave and be kind. Mm. like it. Our next question might be almost exactly the same answer, but I'm going to ask it just in case you have a different answer. Because <laughs> this, I'll is try and find a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is just our favorite question. If you could have one message or a piece of advice truly heard by everyone on the planet what would it be? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> not, not that. What would it be? Oh, yeah, it is very similar. I think it's just show up. You know, whatever you want to do, make a start. You know, if you want to start talking about how you're going to save the world, why not? I think it is that just like it's so easy to get distracted nowadays. It's so easy to leave it to someone else. You know, we've all left the responsibility of looking after the planet to someone else and look where that's got us. So I think it's about taking charge and and also it's about affecting, you know, taking responsibility for your your locality and your your landscape. I, I was reading this morning that there's been this like youth quake in New Zealand of loads of um, like 18 year olds and, and people in their 20s, like standing for local government and local councillors. Oh, amazing. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. That's what we need to be happening because we just we're so busy worrying about the entire world we, we forget sometimes about our own doorstep and I think that's the place you can really make a quick and easy change 
and one way to very quickly show up is to start reading more. So how can people find <laughs> Pebble Mag and support the work that you're doing? Good segue, I like that. Um, yeah, show up on Pebble. Um, so we are pebblemag.com. The best way we, we find a lot is we do a massive Friday email, um, 1 p.m. Friday, um, with all your latest of good news, um, positive stories, and what we're up to, all about our events, and then sort of, you know, advice and, and help on all the latest kind of issues. So um, if you can, subscribe for that. Um, and you can also find us on social media at Pebble Magazine on just about every platform, I think. Very cool. Thank you, Georgina. We have loved this chat. We are very much looking forward to continue seeing Pebble Mag make rebel ripples, not rebels. Make, <laughs> rebels make, and ripples. Make rebels and ripples. You need a few rebels. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a really lovely way to start my day. So um, thank you. We hope you're feeling inspired from this discussion with Georgina and are feeling amped to get out there and share how you're changing the way you're thinking about and doing consumption. And of course, where you are on your journey to living a more sustainable life. Thank you once again for listening and we'll catch you next time.